0: The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Oh Father, I can think of no better prayer than let the glory of your name be the passion of our church. Let your righteousness burn like a holy flame. And let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. Oh God, make us people that are consumed with you who care most of all that the measure of our life is seen in our love for Christ. Oh, how fickle our hearts can be and how wandering Father, would you bring us back to you every day? Awaken desires for you above all things. Create in us passions for your glory and your grandeur. Lord, hallowed be your name in all the earth. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this planet come to know who you are and the saving work of Christ, Lord. And may you use your church to bring it about, Lord. Make us a passionate people for the glory of your name among the nations, for the glory of your name among our neighborhoods. Lift our eyes, Lord, and show us the true purpose of life find our purpose in you. Lord, as we open your word, Lord, I pray that you will show us yourself once again. That you will be faithful, Lord. We know that your word goes out and it does not return void. So may it be the case this morning that a work would be done in our hearts, that we would be changed and transformed into more the likeness of Jesus. That's what we desperately need. So work now, I pray, in this time, by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, please turn in your copy of God's holy and perfect word to Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. Who is your hero? Maybe you have more than one. Who are the people that you want to be like when you get older? Isn't that a question that we're often asked as a child? When I was a boy growing up, I had several heroes. In the summertime, my hero was Chipper Jones, the Hall of Fame third baseman for the Atlanta Braves. In the fall, during football season, it was primetime Deion Sanders. Flashy defensive back for the Dallas Cowboys. America's team, that is. When I was on the trampoline in the backyard with my dad and my sisters, my hero was the WCW wrestler, Macho Man, Randy Savage. I love those high-flying elbows on my dad. And when I was out in the field, out on the farm, I wanted to be like Gus from Lonesome Dove. Some of you may know that reference. But as you get older, you realize that your heroes are just people behind the uniforms that have character flaws just like the rest of us. They're just humans. And so as you grow as a Christian, oftentimes your heroes become people of high integrity over ability. You seek to emulate those with exceptional character instead of flash, You respect and admire men and women who are godly and honest and trustworthy and holy. You want to be like those people who are like Jesus. If you're a Christian, you want to be like people who are like Jesus. You can sense it and you say, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. I've had many models of Christ in my life. Some men I've known very closely. Some men I've never met. I watched my dad for years model for me the importance of reading the Bible and being in the Scriptures daily. I've admired Jay Yance, a a family friend of mine, as he sees all of life through the lens of Scripture. I've learned simplicity and contentment in Christ from a man named Paul Allen, a former or a member of the church I used to pastor in Maine. Simple contentment, living in life. We gave my son Lincoln, his middle name, John. We named him John after five men named John. John the Baptist, who constantly pulls me back to humility in Christ. The Apostle John, who wrote my favorite favorite gospel, who constantly points me to the supremacy of Christ. John MacArthur who pushes me to simple faithfulness in the ministry and John Piper who is a constant driver of seeing the bigness of God. Now what's my point? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse one, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Who would that be for you? Who do you see being like Jesus that makes you say I want to be like that we're never too old to have heroes in the faith that's the focus of today's sermon look with me at the text of Philippians chapter 2 starting in verse 19 Verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow." I am the more eager to send him therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men for he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Here we see in this section of Philippians Paul writing about two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now, up to this point in Paul's letter to the Philippians, he's encouraged the church to remain unified. You may remember some of these themes as we've walked through them over the last few weeks. To remain unified, to grow in godliness. He's encouraged them to walk the walk of faith, not to just talk the talk, but to walk the walk, saying if you're a Christian, then to live like a Christian, he has encouraged them to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. He has exhorted them to humble themselves and to serve one another just like Jesus has served them by ultimately giving his life and paying the penalty for their sin. He reminded us last week to do all things without grumbling or disputing so we can be lights in a world of darkness. And all these commands that Paul has given to the Philippians – our commands and exhortations that we need as a church at Abner Creek. We too are to live unified together, refraining from grumbling and disputing. We too are to intentionally strive hard to grow to become more like, more like Jesus. If you're a Christian today, God intends for you not to coast, but to work to become like Christ. He intends for all of our thoughts, all of our words, all of our actions to begin to look, to smell, to to feel more like those of Jesus. He intends, he's reminded us for you to be united in a local church, living peacefully with others, shining as a witness to the dark world. Now those things we've seen clearly in our study of Philippians up to this point. And if we weren't committed to expositional preaching where we methodically work through passages of scriptures at whole books of the time, verse by verse through the Bible, if we weren't committed to that, we may be tempted to skip a text like the one today. I mean, after all, what is there to say about Paul writing to a first century church 2,000 years ago about his desire to send to that church a man named Timothy and Epaphroditus? I mean, what are we to gain from that? It's easy to see how we are to apply commands from Paul, like don't grumble, humble yourself, serve one another. Those are easy to apply in modern day context. But what do we do when Paul says, I hope to send to you Timothy and I hope to send Epaphroditus? Well, I hope you believe that this text of Scripture is just as much inspired by God as all the other Scriptures. So I was reminded this morning by a brother that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for teaching, for training in righteousness. All Scripture. So let's not come to a text like this and say, I don't think we need this one. God has something for us even in this text. He has something for you in your tired, achy soul this week. He has something for you to drink and to be encouraged and persevered by. This is what he has for us. This is the main point of the sermon that we'll see throughout this text. God gives you models of Christ to increase your joy in him. God gives you models of Christ to increase your joy in Him. And in this text, we see two men modeling Christ likeness, two men that we should seek to emulate Timothy and Epaphroditus. And we're going to see four characteristics of models of Christ. So here we go. Number one, models of Christ are rare. True models of Christ are rare. Look at verse 19 and 20 concerning Timothy. We're going to just play ping pong with these two men looking at the text. Verse 19 and 20 concerning Timothy. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him. No one? I have no one like him. And look at verse 25 concerning Epaphroditus. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. Paul describes Timothy as there is no one like him. And look at all the hats Epaphroditus is wearing, brother and worker and soldier and messenger and minister, all in one sentence. Out of all the men Paul encountered, Timothy holds the title, there is no one like him. Really? And if out of all the things Epaphroditus could be doing with his life, we see him tirelessly serving as brother, worker, soldier, messenger, minister. He's constantly serving, willing to do whatever it takes for the cause of Christ. Christ. It is rare to find men and women sold out and committed to the cause of Christ like these two men. Wearing the label of no one like them, wearing the hat of I'll do whatever's necessary. What is your legacy that you're leaving behind for others? We're just saying, let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. If your life were to be measured this morning, if you were to look into your future and you would see on your headstone what someone else would describe of you, would it be a rarity sold out for the cause of Christ? What footsteps are you leaving for others to walk in? If you wander into any home in America, you will no doubt find dads modeling all sorts of things to their children. How to fix the car, how to throw the ball, how to fix the electronic, how to cut the grass, how to change the oil. If we were to ask all the sons of America what their dads found most important, how would they answer that question? Would they say, his job? Well, most important, my dad is working hard. Football games and fishing. Something to do with his phone or computer, I don't know. These things aren't bad. In fact, as a father speaking, we should be spending valuable time showing our kids the merit of hard work. Spending valuable time with our our kids at the game or whatever hobby that we have with them. These things aren't bad. We should celebrate those times together. But do you want to know what is rare in the world? Finding fathers who model Christ above all. It's easy to profess Christ. If you walk on the street and say, Hey, are you a Christian? Maybe 90% would say, Yes. It is easy to profess Christ. It is harder to model the character of Christ. Fathers who not only play with their children, but pray with their children. Fathers who train their children in all the how to's of life, but most importantly, train their children in how to read their Bibles. Fathers who lead their families to the games or to the woods or to the pond, but most importantly, fathers who lead their families to gather with the church. Listen, if, I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of picking on fathers a little bit because I'm one. This is on my heart this week about myself. If you're a father, if you're a mother, if you're leading your family to church, if you're praying with your family at all over the dinner table, if you're having dinner with your family, do you realize that you're in a large minority of fathers? the average family in America. Just doing the small things of of pointing our families to Christ that he is most important and most valuable over all. People who watch your life will see what is most important to you. It will become evident over time. And it's rare to find models like Timothy and Epaphroditus who were sold out to living for Christ and his kingdom above all. My encouragement to you today is whatever role you play, if it's a father, if it's a mother, if it's a grandparent, if it's a boss at work, if it's a coworker, whatever role God has given you, whatever label you wear, will you model Christ above all? Will you realize that there are people watching how you live your life? They see, they see how we spend our time. They see how we spend our resources. They see how we spend our energy and where we give all of our effort. Grandchildren and children and coworkers are always watching. Will they see us modeling Christ? Will you be a trendsetter Will you be rare? Like, let's be rare for Christ. If you're rare for Christ, you will be on task for him. True models of Christ are hard to find because they're rare. There's no one like him. Second, models of Christ are genuinely concerned for others over themselves are genuinely concerned for others over themselves look at verse 20 concerning Timothy for i have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare for they all seek their own interests not those of Jesus Christ and look at verse 26 concerning Epaphroditus for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill Indeed, he was ill, near to death. Paul says everyone else is seeking their interests. But you know what Timothy's doing? Timothy's genuinely concerned for the other people's welfare. Everybody else is seeking what's best for them, what will strategically place them for advancement, what will move them ahead in the company. But Timothy's not like that. Timothy's concerned for other people. Epaphroditus almost died And what was on his mind when he almost died? Man, I I really got to finish my bucket list here. Hey, my time's running out. No. Epaphroditus on his deathbed was concerned about the church in Philippi. He's distressed about them hearing about his condition. I mean, most people on their deathbed are concerned about all sorts of things revolving around themselves. And some of them are valid. You know, will this be painful? When will this happen? How long will this last? But Epaphroditus, his most prized concern was not himself on his deathbed. His concern was the church in Philippi and them being distressed over the fact that He was almost about to die. I mean, here we see two life, real life examples of what we've been studying in Philippians. If you remember chapter one, verse 29, Paul says, it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, not only to believe in Christ, but to suffer for his sake. And here we see suffering for the cause of Christ. And then remember in chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Do not look to the interests of yourself, but to others. And here we see Timothy genuinely concerned with the interest of others. These are two men modeling the life that Paul is laying out in the letter. True models of Christ care about the interest of others over themselves. I mean, Timothy could have been a rival preacher. He could have been out doing his own thing, planning a church, building a, a sphere of influence. But no, he's here at the prison ministering to Paul. And Epaphroditus, he could have stayed home. Like, and could have kept working and making money and securing himself and being in a nice, comfortable place. Not in a Roman prison. The world says, look out for number one. The world says, you know what? Sometimes I just need some me time. The world says, at some point you have to start caring about yourself. If you don't, no one else will. And those are the exact opposite call of Christ. Brothers and sister, God never calls us to assert ourselves, but to humble ourselves. He doesn't call us to use others to advance ourselves, but to serve others as more significant than ourselves. And he doesn't call us to selfishly care for ourselves, but to entrust ourselves to his care. Brothers and sisters, when we are revolving everything around us, forgetting about the concerns of others, are we worshiping a sacrificial and giving God while remaining a self-centered and self-indulging people. And think about all the people you work with and those in your family, whoever you spend the most amount of time with in your life, week to week. Are you genuinely concerned for their welfare over your own? Is the concern you show for the church on Sunday matched with the concern you show for your coworkers on Monday? Would others describe you as a genuinely concerned person for other people? Have you ever met someone like that? Always thinking of other people first, always moving to the back of the line? I had a great grandmother like that. Aren't those people the best people in the world? Humble and kind and sacrificial servants. I Man, I look at people like that and say, I want to be like them. I look at grief at my prideful heart and say, Lord, kill this pride and make me more of a humble servant like them who care about other people more than themselves. Like, I want to be like that, don't you? These are true models of Christ, genuinely concerned for others over themselves. Third, models of Christ are valuable to others. And that might be a little strange, but true models of Christ are valuable. Look at verse 22 concerning, concerning Timothy. Very short, it says, but you know Timothy's proven worth proven worth. Look at verse 27 concerning Epaphroditus. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I mean, here Paul describes Timothy's work. Timothy's been working with Paul here about a 10-year period, and it's a a period where it's accrued worth over time. He's shown his invaluableness to, to Paul. And Epaphroditus, Paul said he's almost died. And he said, but God was merciful to Epaphroditus, but also merciful to Paul because Paul said, if Epaphroditus would have died, I would have had sorrow upon sorrow. You don't have sorrow upon sorrow upon losing someone unless they were valuable to you. Wouldn't it be sad if you died and no one missed you? Do we serve others in the church in a way that our absence is noticeable? Are you a servant in this church in a way that lightens the load for other people? Is the legacy you're leaving behind one of faithful and valuable service to others? Or is it more of just an acquaintance here where people knew of you but no one really, really knew you? Abner Creek, if our church disappeared like that tomorrow, would our community care? I feel how valuable my wife is to me every time I'm away from her for an extended period of time, and so does my stomach. All of a sudden, I see very clearly how she serves our family so well, so quietly, not looking for any recognition I'll probably get a hit on the arm for even saying this. Husbands, would our wives say the same about us? Would they say, I miss my husband when he's gone because when he's here, he really lightens the load for me? Or would they say, no, you can stay away a little longer. You make my job easier that way. Husbands and wives model Christ to one another by the way that we serve one another and prove to be valuable to one another in that service. Do you serve others in a way that is valuable, in a way that costs you something but benefits them greatly? This is a true model of Christ. Fourth and lastly, models of Christ are courageous servants. Emphasis on courageous. They are courageous servants. Look at verse twenty-two concerning Timothy. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a, as how as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. And look at verse thirty. Concerning, verse thirty concerning Epaphroditus, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. I mean, here are two men who have risked everything to minister to Paul. I mean, Epaphroditus and Timothy both could have been locked up at any moment. The emperor could have decreed that Paul was to be executed, and by the way, throw in his two buddies. Both of these men risking their lives. For countless years in service to the gospel, courageously serving the cause. If you are to live a life modeling Jesus Christ, you are to live a life courageously serving others. This means that you're not afraid to get dirty sometimes. This means that we live outside of our comfort zone if we are to live boldly and courageously servants of Christ, we are to live outside of our comfort zone. Yes, we want to serve the Lord according to our gifts. But brothers and sisters, there are lots of small ways that you can serve that takes no gifting at all. You don't have to be Billy Graham to share the gospel. You don't have to be a master chef to welcome a new neighbor in your neighborhood by taking a plate of brownies to them. You don't have to be an extrovert in this church to welcome a new face. Brothers and sisters, don't excuse yourself from serving in small ways by saying, well, that's just not my gift. A life of service to Christ is courageously pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone and being servants for the sake of the gospel. Listen, if Epaphroditus can risk his life for the sake of the gospel, we can risk our comfort in serving in the nursery. We can risk our fear in sharing the gospel, and we can risk our time and our schedule and our finances in taking someone and discipling them and saying, hey, do you want to meet this week? Let's just, let's just read through Philippians together as we study it on Sunday morning. We can risk our reputation, our energy as we invite others into our homes. Yes, these things are scary and yes, they can be messy sometimes. These things can make you uncomfortable. But the call of Christ is never a call to comfort. A call of Christ is always a call to take up your cross, to come and follow him as sacrifice and servanthood. To be bold and courageous, that is the call of Christ. So brothers and sisters, I ask you, what comfort do you need to break this week and courageously serve? What phone call do you need to make this week that's gonna be hard, but that's gonna glorify God? What area of service do you see around this church that needs to be filled Early on in Charles uh, Charles Spurgeon's ministry in the 1800s, famous Baptist preacher in London, they had a deadly disease breakout that cost many of his church members their lives and many of their families their lives. And, And he told of his uneasiness in ministering to people infected during that time out of fear of contamination upon himself. And while he was reflecting upon this, he wrote this, What is it that empowers a minister, or substitute Christian there, what is it that empowers a Christian a minister in the midst of a disease to climb up that creaking staircase and stand by the bed of some dying creature who has that dire disease? It must be a thing of power which leads him to risk his life. It is love of the cross of Christ which bids him to do it. We can get messy and we can get out of our comfort zone because we love the cross of Christ. And we can embrace those who don't look like us. We can embrace those who don't smell like us because that's what Christ did for us. Courageously serving, pushing ourselves beyond our comforts. God gives us these models like Timothy and Epaphroditus To increase our joy, not in the models, but in him. A model is something that points to something else. It's only worth anything if it resembles what it's trying to model. The point is never ultimately the model itself. The point of a model is to point to the reality. I'm reminded of when I was a boy, I used to collect uh, small NASCAR race car models. I had a whole shelf of them, And one day, I took a trip with my dad to go to the Richard Petty Driving School in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, I was too young to participate in the school, but they did let me ride in one of the in one of the race cars. And so there it was, sitting in complete full fashion NASCAR race car. It wasn't the model; it was the real thing. And the motor started. And for many of you who have been around motorsports, you know when it starts, like you can feel it shaking within you. So powerful. So I suited up. I climbed into the seat. The driver takes off down pit road, and the speed just presses me against my seat. And there we go, 165 miles an hour around the racetrack, and a memory was made. And so I get back home, and I see all these models on the shelf, and the models are no longer just toys on a shelf. The model remind those models remind me of the experience. They remind me of the reality of what I just went through. And this is what models of Christ do for us. The point is never the model on the shelf. The point is to remind us of the reality, the reality of Christ. Any model you have in your life, Timothy, Epaphroditus, you name yours, any model in your life fails fails miserably in comparison to Jesus Christ. I mean, I said models of Christ are rare. Jesus Christ was the truest definition of rarity. There was no one ever like him. He was truly God and truly man. I mean, he would preach to people and people would leave, walk away thinking, who is this? Like, no one preaches like him. Crowds would just flock to him. Who is this rare person? Said models of Christ are genuinely concerned for others. Church, there's never been anyone more concerned genuinely for us than Jesus. So concerned and loving that he he stepped off his throne in heaven and he stepped into humanity, becoming like us. So concerned that he would leave heaven and live among sinners, taking the reproach and the filth upon himself and never sinning. said models of Christ are valuable to others. There's no one more valuable than Jesus. Friend, you will never know of anything more valuable than Jesus Christ. He's the treasure hidden in the field. He is considered above all and from which everything else is considered as rubbish. He's the light of the world, shining lights into our hearts. He's the bread of heaven, nourishing our souls. He is our ultimate reward, waiting in heaven. He's our God and our friend. He's our Lord and our Savior. He is our comforter in peace. He is our warrior in battle. There's no one valuable like Jesus. He is the bearer of our burdens and he is our high priest and mediator. He's our hope and our future. He's our rescuer and deliverer. He's our ruler and our joy at the same time. He's our rock and our redeemer. He's our substitute and provider. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's our king and our servant. He's our creator and our sustainer. He is our highest treasure and prize. There is no one valuable like Jesus. And I said, models of Christ are courageous servants. No one ever models servanthood like him. Humbling himself to the point of death. Enduring the cross. Buying redemption for his people. No one's ever served like Jesus. Washing the feet of his people. Shedding his blood for his church. Listen, some of you may this morning, some of you may be thinking, these models of Christ are great, but I've blown it. What you've described this morning as models of Christ, that's not me and some of you are thinking, like, I've I've already I've blown it with my kids. And and I don't do these things. You know, everybody at work, they wouldn't say, yeah, he or she loves Christ above all. Like, I am not a model of Christ. And so I just I, I'm ever gonna get there. I mean if you just knew the mess and I've made of my life, you've known how I've ruined my life, you would know I could never be a model of Christ. And friend, this is, this is why models remind us the reality of Christ. Jesus Christ came and you know what? If Jesus were looking in your face, he would say, you know what? God made you as an image to look like me, but yeah, you're right. You have royally messed that up. We all have. And then he would say, and that's why I went to the cross. To accomplish everything that you have failed at. I didn't call you to be the Savior. I'm the Savior. I didn't call you to be perfect. I called you to point to me, the perfect one. So friend, if if you're here this morning and you're, you're beat up, you feel like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm way down here. That's the truth. That's where we all are. And that's why we need a perfect savior to come and he reaches down and he, and he picks us up and he takes our sin. He takes our failure. He takes every time we've let anyone down, he takes all the disobedience that we have ever had or will have, and he puts it on himself and he goes up the hill and he puts it on the cross. And he paid for it. And we know he paid for it because three days later he rose from the grave. And so he looks at you and you say, man, I have all these failures built up in my life. And he says, your failures mean nothing. Your faith means everything. Do you trust in me? And so for some of you, maybe you've you've heard me call out the call of the gospel. And my prayer for you this morning is not that you would try to measure up to these models my prayer for you is that you would exercise faith in Christ how long will you wait to say I don't measure up and that's why I need you Jesus let today be the day of salvation for you forget ask God to forgive your sins cry out to him in faith and he will save you Friends, if you've ever been around someone who has joy in the Lord, who is genuinely concerned for the sake of others, who, have a, who has a servant heart, who's invaluable to the life of others, who points to God's magnificence above all, you know that person's been with Jesus. You can sense it, you can, you can smell the sweet aroma of Christ, you can see their joyful contentment. And that's what models do. They remind us of their reality of the actual so how should we respond to these models in our life? Paul tells us in verse 29, it says, receive him in the Lord with joy and honor such men. Now that's specifically talking about Epaphroditus, but the principle covers the landscape. If you have someone consistently modeling Jesus to you in your life, Paul says to receive them with joy and honor such men. Express your thankfulness to them enjoy, Honor them among others. Point to their value around others and allow others to benefit from their faithfulness. Encourage them to keep pressing on in the faith. Look, if there's someone particularly in this church that pushes you on after the service, let me encourage you to go to them and say, hey, thank you for serving Christ before me as an example of what I'm striving for. Encourage them in their walk. Paul commands us to honor them. So I was thinking through this church this week and praying through this sermon and praying for you all as you would come and hear it. Thinking of the countless servants of Christ that are in this church. Too many to name them all. And I think of men like Wallace Hughes, his faithful diligence over years honoring the Lord with joy. It pushes me to say, I wanna I wanna be like that. Like I wanna finish ministry strong. I wanna have a full ministry serving the Lord. I, I think of Mr. F. E. Who kindly greets everyone walking in the door. I mean, don't you wanna have the enthusiasm and the joy that one of the oldest members of our church has when people come in the door? I think of Miss Nellie Rumsey who's limited now in her speech and can't be with us, but who joyfully served the church for many years. Still containing that joy in her heart today. And look, the list could go on and on. The point is, when you recognize a model of Christ, receive them with joy, express your thankfulness to them, and honor them as servants of Christ. Say, thank you for pointing me to Jesus. So my question that I leave you with today is, who is modeling Christ to you and who are you modeling Christ for? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Lord, whatever spectrum we're on as models of Christ or not, we do not measure up to Christ and it's our desire to model him and to emulate him but Lord we are first and foremost thankful that he has rescued us from our failures and our sins of falling short and that you have you created us to be image bearers of you and every day it's like we just break that mirror but Jesus comes and he restores it and we give him praise for that Thank you for the countless models of Christ that are living in this church. Quietly and contently serving you with joy. May you increase that number and increase those gifts in our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna have a time of reflection. Here's my encouragement to you, a short encouragement. If you never trusted in Christ, do so today. I'd love to hear about it right now as we're singing but if you trust in Christ and see me after the service, just shake my hand and say, today I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I wanna wanna walk with you and help you grow in your faith. For others of you, look on the models that you have had in your life. Pray to God, express thankfulness. Pray to God and ask him to create in you desires to be pure models to others. And then we're gonna stand and sing and worship him. Let's sit quietly, reflect upon what the Lord has taught us.